today on 2C Vans. I mean, there was a problem with Snook. We got our heads together, what can we do? We can do stock enhancement. And I think it was within a week or two after we decided to move forward with this project, they were spawning the Snook already. Um, they're the ones that maintain the brood stock. They have them photothermally conditioned. They can use light and temperature to make them think it's time to spawn. Uh, so we actually spawned in October and December for this effort. Wow. They don't normally spawn oh. during yeah. winter, <laughs> but they do at MAP. Hello and welcome to 2C Fans at Moat Marine Laboratory, your podcast for marine science, conservation, and education at Moat in Sarasota, Florida. I'm Haley Rutger. And I am Joe Nicholson. And we're sad to be a little bit late getting back to you guys, but we promise we brought you a really great episode, so it was worth the wait. It is. It is. It is. Um, we have a great guy here. Dr. Ryan Schlesser has been with us before. Um, tell us what's going on these days, Ryan. Hello, everybody. I'm here to talk a little bit about the project that we have going on with Florida Fish and Wildlife, FWC, and the Coastal Conservation Association, CCA, working to release our hatchery rear juvenile snook into some of our local waterways as part of the Adopt-A-Snook program. Cool. And remind us what your title is here at Moat. I am a staff scientist now. I think last time we talked, I was just a you were just wee a, postdoc. Yeah, a wee postdoc. Yep. A wee wee postdoc. <laughs> but now I'm a staff scientist in our fisheries ecology and enhancement program. Yes. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. That is awesome. And uh, you're doing the true uh, work of a staff scientist. This has been quite a big project. Um, before we get into it, can you tell us about what the concerns have been for Snook? If any, uh, recently, if anybody's been here in Florida with us, you probably have an inkling of what might have been uh, the biggest challenge they had last year. Yeah, last year was not a great year for Snook. Uh, actually, it wasn't a great year for much of the southwest coast because red tide reared its ugly head and uh, caused some widespread chaos in a way. Uh, and with our snook populations, unfortunately, that red tide popped up at really the worst time uh, imaginable because snook were supposed to be out there spawning. Right on their spawning grounds is where the red tide came. And obviously, if you were ever Bam. on the beaches, yeah. there was a lot of, unfortunately, dead snook. A dead lot of the snook, big, yep. mature females um, were not out there spawning. They were lying on the beaches. So yeah, we, that's when we decided to put our heads together and figure out, well, what can we do to, to mitigate for this terrible event? Yeah, that was hard to see, wasn't it, Joe? I no, mean, it was uh, absolutely heartbreaking, those, you know. Those, those huge breeding stock, you know, wild snook just laying dead on the beach. I know, that was heartbreaking. But yeah. Moat has come a long way and has done a lot of uh, snook, what would you call it, um, hatchery? Stock enhancement. Stock enhancement. And, and we've been working on stock enhancement with our project partners, particularly FWC, for over 20 years. It's a long time. Uh, it's been a lot of effort. I can't take a lot of that credit. I haven't been there that long, but uh, well, here at the right time too. to be really excited and uh, be able to apply 20 years of effort to, yeah. to really help out Snook here in Sarasota Bay Area and down in Charlotte County. It's a lot of years and a lot of Snook. Yeah, and I understand that between some scientists here and a lot of data gathered over the years by FWC, we'll probably ultimately learn a bit more about what happened to these fish, but it's also important to get in there and use what you've learned uh, 
because we know there's an impact, even if we're still waiting to define some of that impact. Yeah, one of the things that we don't know about the impact quite yet is, well, we saw what happened to the spawning aggregations, but what about the progeny? What about the little juveniles that should have been coming through this year? It's a bit of a potential lost generation, and we may not know that impact for a while, but we wanted to be able to respond right away and, and mitigate for that impact, even though it's still a little bit questionable. It sounds like a, uh, a a cool movie, Snook, the Lost Generation. <laughs> the, the next, the next generation. <laughs> well, you got to have something to replace all those big breeders. So yeah, getting fish true. out there to do that sooner than later uh, is only a good thing. Well, and you you guys partnered up this time with um, some really interesting uh, partners. Well, always FWC, mm-hmm. but uh, partnering this time with CCA. Yeah, well, CCA has been working uh, on some of the stock enhancement with Red Drum, and I think they're doing some sea trout. And obviously, snook is a really big fishery around here, and we want to be able to do stock enhancement with snook as well. So CCA was a logical partner. It's a great group of fishermen. They're really concerned about having sustainable fisheries, and they want to be able to go out there and catch fish and have their children go out there and catch fish. So and it's all about looking to the future, and CCA is a good group to work with on and that. And CCA stands for Coastal Conservation Association, correct? That is correct. And then, and I was out there a couple of times filming some of the, the work, like you know, even from the beginning when you guys started just the tagging process of the fish. And you had members from CCA working right alongside the scientists there. Yeah, I mean, they're partners in this in every aspect of the of the process. Uh, so anytime we were working with the fish, CCA was right there with us. They were helping us collect the data. They were helping us with the tagging. They were helping us with the release. Um, they were there every step of the way. We and should, uh, oh, I'm sorry. We should, for anyone who hasn't heard the other episode with Ryan, um, these snook are getting raised up at Moat Aquaculture Research Park here in Sarasota County. Uh, we have a program for breeding and raising those those snook uh, juveniles to put back in the wild and study the practices of how we release them and how effective that is. So I should put in a plug for our aquaculture park staff for doing all that great work too. Yeah, I was going to get to that because it's, it, it's everything from getting the eggs fertilized to, to growing the, the tiny food for them to eat, correct? Oh yeah, I have a we have a great deal of thanks to give out to our colleagues at Moat Aquaculture Park. Um, they've really taken this a long way and able to respond. I mean, there was a problem with snook. We got our heads together. What can we do? We can do stock enhancement. And I think it was within a week or two after we decided to move forward with this project, they were spawning the snook already. Um, <laughs> they're the ones that maintain the brood stock. They have them photothermally conditioned. They can use light and temperature to make them think it's time to spawn. Uh, so we actually spawned in October and December for this effort. Wow. They don't normally spawn during yeah. winter, <laughs> but they do at MAP. Uh, they do at the aquaculture park, and that's because of their hard work. And snook are not an easy fish to work with, so they're the ones no. that are able to They're, they're get, cannibalistic too, aren't they? Yeah, well, the larvae are super sensitive. I mean, they're controlling the bacteria community in the tanks to try to help these larvae out. And wow. when they're bigger, then they start to eat each other. Uh, so that doesn't necessarily help with production yeah, numbers that's and that's why it's <laughs> taken 20 years to be able to produce uh, regularly and reliably several thousand individuals right. to do this Without and them consuming each other yep, they yeah they will they will eat each other out of house and home yeah. quite literally and uh, 
continuing to work with those guys in order to make sure that our release numbers only increase. You know, it's 5,000 this year, but what could it be next year or five years from now? 10, 15, 30,000. We're going to keep working at producing more and more snooks so that we can respond even bigger and better uh, if and when there's a a mortality event in the future. Awesome. Since we're a a nonprofit here, we uh, also turn to the public in a kind of a special way that I don't know if we've done this before with Snook. Um, We had a chance for people to adopt a Snook uh, for this uh, effort in the wake of the red tide. Tell us about that. What did that mean? And who came up with that idea? <laughs> the adopt a snook? Who came up with the, the, the language? I'm not really sure about that <laughs> okay. one. But it's a, it's good language. Yeah. And, and yeah. we've worked with community members in the past to try to support some of our stock enhancement initiatives. But this is the first time we've been able to work with the community in response to a bit of a disaster. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we haven't been in the position before to respond in such a way. And and in this case, we're adopting the juveniles that are going back out there to hopefully survive and contribute back to the population. Now, when I adopt a snook, does that mean that snook's going to start writing me letters yeah. and <laughs> get photos of the snook as it grows up? And well, we get to hear a little bit back from our, our snook as they grow up. Every single snook that we released has what's called a passive integrated transponder tag or pit tag for short. It's basically the exact same type of microchip you may have in your cat or dog at home. So when your cat gets out, you can catch it again, you know, get get the tag number and you know that it's yours. Same thing with these fish. We have equipment out there that let us know that your fish is swimming around in that creek that we released it in. And whenever that fish swims across our equipment, we know exactly which individual was in what part of that creek, when they were there, and how long they stayed. And all that information gets collected, and we're working with our CCA partners to let people know, hey, this is the fish you adopted. This is where it's at and what it's doing right now. So, yeah, it's the 21st century, and fish just don't write letters anymore. They send me email. Yeah, basically. (laughs) No. <laughs> I get an email from my adopted snake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, cool. So all of that data that's gathered, you told us a little before about why it's valuable, what you gain from it. Um, can you give us a reminder of what you're going to gain from it, knowing where snook go and how much time they spend there? Yeah, so the, the real key for this one is that whenever we detect a snook, we know it's alive. Mm-hmm. We're able to actually estimate our survival rates. And if we yeah. know how well they're surviving, we know what the impact of our stocking effort is going to be on that local population. Mm-hmm. And that actually lets us know where we're at in terms of our stock enhancement activities and lets us know what we can do to hopefully improve moving forward. Um, so knowing that our fish are still out there is just really important for what we're trying to do. Is that the only way you guys are tracking the release rates? That is the best and fastest and most time-effective way for us to do that right now. You know, we're taking advantage of the technology that we can get working out in the creeks to, to get our data. Mm-hmm. And we get a lot more data than if we had to go out there and try to net them ourselves. But uh, that may happen. You know, working with our project partners, FWC is out there netting a lot. They have a pit tag scanner, and if they happen to catch one of our fish, we'll get the data that way too. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. So, like, how did you guys uh, choose uh, the area where you would do the latest releases? Well, luckily we've had about 20 years of stocking practice to try to learn, well, what <laughs> yeah. what do these juvenile snook look for? And where do we typically find wild juvenile snook as well? I mean, if, if the habitat's good for a wild juvenile, it's probably going to be pretty good for our hatchery fish as well. Yeah. 
And based on our work in Sarasota Bay, we, we really learned that nice, high qual good water quality, good habitat, good vegetation along the shorelines, those are the types of areas where we've seen really good survival uh, in the past with our stock enhancement experiments. Mm -hmm. So that's what we were looking for down in Charlotte County. Which of these tidal creek systems, and these tidal creeks are nursery habitats for wild fish, so which of these, you know, little shallow, pretty muddy uh, creeks uh, can we get access to that have that good habitat? And we were able to find Anger Creek and several systems in Tippecanoe Environmental Park uh, that really met what we were looking for in terms of good habitat, but they also had places for us to be able to set up our equipment to monitor that impact. Yeah. Did anybody slip and fall in the mud? No. I always slip and fall in the mud, so I will, I will pass to that. <laughs> that's, that would be me if I was out there. <laughs> These muddy, muddy habitats. Well, that's really cool. I mean, I'm glad you guys were able to find good locations. It doesn't surprise me down there. Um, so, it ha so have you finished, uh, you mentioned 5,000 snook, I think. Have you finished or are you still in progress? I am excited to say that we have hit our 5,000 numbers. Finished. So those, those spawns were actually able to produce... I, I think the, the rough count is 5,150 snook that we were able to stock in response to this red tide mortality event. That's awesome. That's great. So, so have any of these uh, these little guys started uh, pinging or um, being read by their receivers? Oh, yeah. We downloaded those receivers one month after the first release effort back in May. Yeah. Yeah. And lo and behold, there are about 30,000 detections already. Oh, so really? <laughs> we wow. want we really wanted the fish to stay up in those nice nursery habitats, yeah. but they like to, to explore. Um, yeah. So obviously, the, we we must have put the antennas at some really good locations because the fish are hanging out there right yes. at our antenna and just giving us that data back. So it's really good to see them uh, pinging on the systems and see that our systems are working really well to get that many detections. And well, and um, you're getting that many detections is great. Yeah, it yeah, means be they're still alive. Ton, yeah. yeah. Or, <laughs> Which brings me to another question. What if a bigger fish eats the little fish with the pit tag in it and it uh, <laughs> keeps swimming around with the, uh, like, five little fish in its belly? <laughs> it's got five pit tags. Well, we're going to be working really hard to try to find ways to prevent that. Obviously, we have naive hatchery fish, and, and they can be eaten by fish and birds. That's probably the number one source of mortality after these fish go out in the water is mm -hmm. uh, predators. And we may confuse that predator yeah. for a juvenile for at least a couple of days, but eventually that tag is going to pass like everything we eat does, and mm. it'll, it'll end up on the bottom of, of the creek and not being seen by our antennas anymore. And if we don't ever see it again, we know we know what that fish's that fate fish, is going to be. That fish is Hopefully it doesn't happen a lot, but no. we'll be able to, I mean, to yes see that in the no. data. Is it yes or no to that? Yes. No. No, we don't want Hopefully that to happen. Hopefully, it doesn't a lot. happen a lot. Yeah. Although, you yeah. know, I got to say, if I were a predator after the red tide, I'd mm. probably be pretty hungry, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, but. luckily, the systems are, you know, starting to come back. We go out there when we're doing our netting. We see the bait fishes return. It's going to be a little while till it's back to normal, if, if there's ever a normal. But, uh, you know, the system's going to recover. Well, and we used to have something called uh, the snook shinding. Shindig. Shindig, <laughs> which used to help um, uh, go out and catch like the, the bigger snook to see how um, the repopulation rate from past years uh, respawning had gone. 
Um, is that happening ever again? Yeah, so we try to have it every single year. Unfortunately, there was a hurricane that prevented us from having it, and yeah, then red, red tide. tide. Obviously, we're not going to host a fishing tournament in the middle of a red tide bloom, no. so we're going to be doing it again this year. Uh, you know, weather dependent. If yes. everything goes smoothly, knock I think wood. we're looking for Haley. September. Yes, that wooden leg of yours knock on it. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, and in September, again, the community is going to be invited to just go out. Find your favorite fishing spot. Try to catch these snook. We will follow you around and scan your catch to see if one of them originated from the hatchery. Uh, we've a, been stocking yeah. for years in the Sarasota Bay area, and now is about the right time that if those fish survive red tide, we'd be seeing them enter the fishery. So are you around. catching our hatchery-reared fish? Well, cause we can only find out with the shindig. There's, there's been evidence, or so I've heard, about you know when red tide hits about these, these fish seeking refuge even farther up into creeks and into uh and even moving up into like the manatee river or or moving around to get away from the red tide and then you would think after the red tide's gone they would naturally come back to their original you know feeding and breeding grounds right yeah, so snook are a really cool species in that they can tolerate this transition from salt to fresh water really well. Not every fish can do that. So snook are fortunate enough that they can move up into these tidal creeks or riverine systems to, to find that refuge from, from red tide. And as the system recovers, they can move back into the bay. But especially in places like Sarasota Bay and Lemon Bay, they don't necessarily have big river systems so they can only hold so many snook and there's only so many prey resources uh, so yeah we hope a ton of fish were able to use those creeks as a refuge um, but we don't know how many and that's what's going to take a little bit of time to figure out what so this, this impact this, really was well and this tournament may help you know identify some of the fish that did make it through or survive yeah if our hatchery weird fish went right back to their stocking location yeah. which we know that they do yeah. uh, if they went back to the creek where they were stocked to hang out and and you know wait out the red tide then maybe we would be seeing them in the fishery and and the shindig is the only way to get that data. And you guys also do something really cool with the shindig uh, when it comes to youngsters. I know you've got a couple and I've got one and they really love this part of it. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so usually associated with every shindig, we try to have a teach-a-kid fishing clinic. So we invite members of the community out to the aquaculture park where we teach them about uh, responsible angling. We sh Everybody gets a fishing pole. We teach them how to cast it. And we just want to get the youth outdoors, away from screens, and on the water catching fish. Imagine and, that. Yeah, and you guys partner with a, a bunch of volunteers that come out and help with that as well, don't you? Yeah, we've partnered with CCA groups in the past, Mangrove Coast Fly Fishers in the past. Uh, we, we invite all of our partners to come and assist us with the project, and if they're available, they, sh they show up and uh, help teach the kids how to fish. So like Joe was talking about partnerships with all these things we do, and I was gonna circle back to this uh, Adopt-a-Snook effort that's the latest of many. What's the benefit of Moat and CCA and FWC working together on a problem like this? Like what, what could you do together that you can't do alone? Well, it's a big problem. It yeah. takes a big team to yeah. address this. There's a lot of aspects to it, and having multiple project partners uh, really helps us get the job done. Yeah. 
Uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without their support. I mean, FWC has been a partner for, for 20 years. Uh, obviously, we need them involved. CCA, they have the heart for sustainable fisheries, getting them involved. It's, it's only a good thing when we can use the strength of all of the team members, and it sets a good working relationship moving forward so that we can continue to do good things and keep our fisheries sustainable. Yeah, it seems like you've got quite a like a, like a triad of research. You've got a management agency, you've got fishermen. Um, it seems like those are the, the big parts of what you need. It's everyone who needs to be involved in a big effort right. like this. Every, yeah, everybody that has an interest. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else that you wanted to tell us about snook, adopt a snook, um, I don't know, uh, snook in fisheries enhancement, or I don't know, your life? <laughs> uh, well, we're talking about snook, so I could kind of go on forever if we yeah. really wanted to. But I'm um, just excited to work with that team and to continue to follow the success of the fish that we released and, again, understand that impact and, and learn from this and move forward in being able to respond uh, bigger and better every step of the way. Unfortunately, you know, it's not the first time this has happened. It probably won't be the last, but we're getting to a point where we can really do something about it. And that's what really makes me excited to know that we have a team that can continue to do something about the problems in our local waterways. It's like you guys are the FEMA for snook. <laughs> <laughs> FEMA for snook and, and hopefully more species as well moving forward. I mean, uh, we've been doing stock enhancement with snook. That's kind of the model species, but we could be doing these same things with all the fisheries that we care about uh, if we can continue to put our effort and, and research the best way to do these things and, and have a good impact. Yes. Yeah, that's the best awesome. ways could transfer to other fish. Yeah, yeah. trout and, and everything that's out there. Yep. Flounder. All the fishes we care about. If we can spawn them, we can do responsible stock enhancement. It's just getting those protocols and methods and uh, techniques down. And before we go, I was going to say, have we wrapped up the adopting part of this, or can people still adopt snook? You can still adopt snook. Um, we're hoping that this could be a two-year project. We've received great support from the community. You know, thank you to everyone who has adopted snook so far. Yeah. Uh, but we could do more releases in the future if we continue to get support to do so. Well, and I'm sure not all of the snook were adopted, were they? No, not all the snook were adopted, but, uh, you know, the, the requested donation for the adoption is, is sufficient to cover more than, than one individual in terms of production costs. But it's, yeah. it's a big project, yeah. and it, it takes a, a big uh, level of support from the community and from our partners. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that one guy, that one little snook guy I saw getting released, he had that really pronounced, you know, lower jaw stuck out real far. He, he looked kind of homely, and he really needed to be adopted. <laughs> <laughs> and did you realize they all kind of look like that? Well, I only saw the one guy really <laughs> up close. He had really just stuck out real far like a lower job. <laughs> that means he was a good-looking snook. That was a good-looking yeah. snook? Okay. That is a good-looking right. snook. Is there anything you'd like to tell the uh, fisher, fisher people out there um, about the uh, snook? Like, should we be doing something special to help the, the population rebound still? or Well, FWC has their management measures still in place. I mean, they've responded properly, and, and a lot of fishers are, have been in support of what FWC in terms of closing the fishery to harvest to make sure that we can measure their impact, uh, the impact of red tide on the population, and, and make sure that it's, it's the right time to open the fishery to harvest again when that comes around. So... You know, keep on the water, let your management agencies let mo know what you're seeing, if there are any problems or concerns, and just keep catching fish. All right, listen, Ryan, thank you for joining us today. 
Um, it, it we'd learn a lot more about uh, what you, you've been doing in the um, Adopt a Snook um, program. And hopefully that guy with the lower lip gets uh, adopted. Um, well, it's always a pleasure to join you guys and have fun and let you get, let the audience know what we're doing. All Absolutely. Right. Well, we'll see you guys. We hope in two weeks, Joe and I are going to get our uh, act together and, and get back to speed on these uh, episodes. We're going to try. We're, we're going to say uh, almost every two weeks we'll have something. <laughs> Joe's going <laughs> to let me off the hook. That's nice of you, Joe. Well, in a few months, I look forward to letting everybody know how well the adopt snook program went and, and what the fate of those fishes has been. All right. We've got one episode we already <laughs> set up here. we got one guy coming back. Thanks for making it easy for us, Ryan. <laughs> I do what I can. All right, well, we'll see you on our next episode, and have a great week.